the Rick and Joe NFL Draft Show, powered by NFLDraftScout.com. Boom, City Nation, back at it again, RIC and Joe Draft Show, breaking it all down for you here on the All Access Football Network. If you're tuned in on Blog Talk Radio, of course, broadcasting on the NFLDraftScout.com, iTunes, Stitcher, go find us, like us, rate us, comment on us. And every little bit helps because we are the Rodney Dangerfield of the podcast. But we appreciate all the draft Knicks tuning in, all the personnel around the league that listen in and tune in. And I see on the scouting trails across the nation, on location. And, of course, the 2019 NFL Draft Bible publication available right now. Get, go get that PDF download. NFLDraftScout.com has it right there in the menu bar. Instant download, 400-plus scouting reports, 1,000 players ranked. Uh, we got ratings and rankings for next year already. Um, exclusive, you know, over 100 player interviews. Our guy, Drew Schweitzer, did the seven-round mock. There's all kinds of hidden gems inside. And, uh, you know, all right, seeing a place to be. Rick Saratella, telling it like it is when it comes to the NFL draft since 2002. It's what we do. April 11th, 2019, reading the tea leaves. Welcome on in. It's that time of year. We're going to try to read between the tea leaves, the latest buzz, the hot topics, what's going on just 14 days away from the 2019 NFL draft in Nashville. And to discuss it all, we have the NFL Draft Bible Director of College Football Scouting, Joe Everett, who never leaves a stone unturned. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe W. Everett. I'm at Rick Saratella. And, of course, Joe, two weeks away from another draft cycle complete. I mentioned the 2019 NFL Draft Bible. We've done a couple shows since then. We really haven't had a chance to discuss it on air, what all went into it, uh, the amount of detail, I think, you know, the one, well, there's several things that are different. You know, if you're looking for a draft guide that's kind of unique, uh, we're, we're focused on the nuts and bolts. We've got you covered now. One-third of NFL rosters consist of undrafted free agents. So we'll go 70 deep at the running back and wide receiver positions with the scouting reports. And, you know, it also relates to fantasy because once these guys get selected, Everybody wants to know how they fit in. So there's tie-ins here. It's not just for the NFL draft. We go deep in the skill positions uh, to help you out with your fantasy football drafts, but we also list the agent representation for each player in the draft, which is very resourceful if you work in the business, if you happen to uh, be in the football industry and want to know which players are represented by which agencies. We've got that in there, of course, I visited several training facilities on location across the nation, literally around the country, going and talking to different trainers and talking to different players. The only media outlet to be at all three All-Star games, the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Game, the NFLPA. And, Joe, I mean, you must have spoke to at least over 100 players between the Senior Bowl. I mean, we spoke to 100 guys at the Senior Bowl. Then the Combine rolls around. I mean, we, we literally talked to hundreds, if not thousands, of coaches and players and agents and trainers. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I think that's talking to the players is where you get the real uh, flavor kind of for who they are, what they're mostly about, you know. And I, I, 
I can't tell you how many tidbits you get just from the conversation post-interview. You know, that's sometimes where we get some of the most valuable nuggets of info is like, oh, man, the camera wasn't rolling then, but you, you can bet your bottom dollar that's going in the report. And just like you mentioned, though, with uh, the, the skill positions and how much impact that has with these guys that find their way in a camp, make the team, and then, oh, by the way, it turns into Vincent Smith from Limestone, uh, Houston, making the sock, and now everybody remembers that. Well, <laughs> that, you know, we were all about that kid uh, coming into the draft last year. I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure you were banging the table pretty hard for the guy, but uh, no doubt, all the pedigree no doubt. information, it's in there, but even the extras. I mean, I can't count how many prospects uh, you and I both scraped up on age, date of birth, uh, all the combine info, hand size, wingspan, you name it. It's important. When you're really boiling this down apples to apples, that's the sometimes the deal breaker. It's like, no, if this kid's actually a whole calendar year younger than the other prospect, we got graded similar, you know, and uh, the all-star circuit as well that we put in there. Um, um, Rick, you were out west. Uh, we had uh, people down. You were in actually Florida and out west, uh, and we had folks at the Senior Bowl. We had a crew at the Senior Bowl, so it's uh, I think that – also going into the reports is valuable. You know, not that we're putting, like, some prospects, I think, get graded twice off of what they did in Mobile. Sometimes, you know, like the fields, Lad Peebles, uh, I think uh, sometimes they get a little too much credit, but definitely what they did in those all-star events, it it all goes in there, and it's uh, it's definitely been uh, a lot of pride and joy in that thing. I tell you, this close to the draft, I'm just – I'm watching those interviews with GMs and uh, coaches. Anytime they're in their office and folks out there, too, you could do this. Just look in the background, check their laptop, check the desktop, see if they got the draft pipe open in the background. We would love to know because <laughs> that's happened no, before. Hey, it's happened in no the doubt. past. I want to I see it happen again. Yeah, we've we've seen that, you know, the the camera shots they go inside the war rooms and and there's a copy of the draft bible on the table used by all 32 teams like Joe said. Hey, we're rolling deep in 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 your city out in Indy. I mean, we're we're six deep with the draft bible crew taking over the streets of Indianapolis and that's why we track down all the 10-yard splits, 20-yard splits, hands, arms, wingspan like Joe said. I mean, you know, this is the comparison. You got the big board chart there with all the measurements, all the official times. Uh, if you got two evenly rated players, hey, pull out the draft Bible. But hey, better yet, you know, if you don't work in football, you're just a fan, you're a true draft Nick, you want to have more information than uh, anywhere out there in terms of depth and scouting analysis and real analysis. You know, we're a lot of these guys out there, you know, I'm not trying to knock anybody. You know, but I see people selling draft guys. I've never seen them once in the field, and you know, scouting. You know, a lot of these guys are at home scouting from the couch, scouting from the TV. I mean, we're out there, we're living it, we're feeling it, we're touching it, uh, we're dreaming it, and we're bringing it to you guys. So, hey, NFLDraftScout.com, the 2019 NFL Draft Bible. We've done several podcasts now since that bad boy's been launched, and really haven't even had time to discuss it just because things are flying by, Joe, and it's uh, time to read the tea leaves. A lot of uh, murmurs, a lot of whispers, a lot of uh, smokescreen season going on. So we're going to try to uh, decipher everything and, and, and figure out what is true, what's false, and you know what? What's to be determined? So um, 
lots to get to. I know you have some pro day risers you want to discuss. We'll try to save that for later on in the show. And uh, just in terms of a uh, current event type of thing, you know, Colts bringing in Josh Jacobs today for a visit in your neck of the woods, Joe. Um, But, you know, I want to talk about the one thing, and you and I have yet to even um, discuss this on or off the air, and it just, you know, came across my desk a few days ago. I want to get your reaction to it because, you know, we, we were tipped off by one of our guys who just happened to see, you know, Antonio Brown working out in uh, California in, in, in a random park and just, you know, getting some off-field work in. And, you know, as you know, I mean, Antonio Brown has probably been on the Draft Bible podcast more than any player in the history of the Draft Bible show. So, you know, uh, take it with a grain of salt like we did at the time. This is going back maybe a month, six weeks ago. <clears throat> and, you know, he said Gruden is not – in love with uh, David Carr. And, you know, the fact is Antonio Brown said they're going to go after Kyler Murray. Now, back to the current situation, um, I'm hearing, you know, that maybe the Cardinals won't select Kyler Murray. And it seemed to be a done deal back at the Combine in Indianapolis that Kyler Murray would be. And I just got the fresh... FanDuel odds, uh, Kyler Murray is minus 1,200 to be the first pick overall in the NFL draft. In other words, you've got to wager 1,200 smackaroos just to win back 100. So I think it's safe to say that right now, as of April 11th, Kyler Murray will be the first one off the board. Who will be selecting him, Joe? I'm hearing that the Raiders could offer a package that includes, at a minimum, at a minimum, two firsts and two seconds. Now, I don't know if they're both from this year, if it, you know, one each from this year, one each from next year. As you know, the Raiders have a lot of draft equity built up and a lot of draft picks to work with. So initial reaction, Joe, <laughs> fact, fiction, or somewhere in between? Uh, I've got that as total fiction. I mean, the, the, the one fact part of it, Tyler is going number one without a doubt. We can stamp that. Um, and the Raiders do have the hold cards. If anyone's going to put a deal on the table that they can't refuse, that Arizona's going to say, well, we'd be fools not to take this. It's the Raiders and, and all of those picks. But I I don't see the marriage of Gruden and Kyler Murray particularly. I mean, call me crazy, but uh, I, I, I like Gruden with a more grizzled veteran type, uh, intellectual, uh, big quarterback that, you know, can run. I mean, I'm, Rich Gannon, the Jeff Garcias of the world, I guess Murray could fit, but it's just, I don't know, uh, the, the, the type, uh, the attitude. I, I, I don't know that uh, those two, like I said, the marriage, I, I couldn't see that working out. But I'm looking at uh, Arizona, yeah, if they weren't the best deal, it'd be with Oakland. I just don't see it happening. And at this point, I'm, I, I think it's got to be cards. Cards and Kyler, uh, cards and Calamari. It's, 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 it's a combination that can't be beat. <laughs> All right, well, with that being said, there's always a trickle-down effect. Joe Everett, Rick Saratella, reading the tea leaves here. Welcome on in. Tell a friend, tell a friend, pull up a chair, and uh, we'll get you all square. Listen, 
Josh Rosen is going to move. Now you're hearing all kinds of wild rumors where he's going, and there's a deal on the table that right now a, a second and a fifth is the best they're getting. Uh, you know, for for whatever it's worth, Joe, call me crazy, but listen, if Josh Rosen, <clears throat> excuse me, was in this year's draft, he'd be number one on my board. So, you know, if I can get Rosen, if I need a quarterback and I can get Rosen for a second rounder, I'm all in. Uh, the question is. How many teams feel that way? Are the Giants feeling that way? Are the Redskins feeling that way? Uh, the, 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 the Dolphins probably need some clarification at quarterback. Uh, where do you see the dominoes falling, and where does Josh Rosen wind up? And for what do the Cardinals get in return? Yeah, it's been two low ball offers is what kind of the, the, the rumors out there are, and it, what we do know is it's certainly not a lot of offers there else there to have been a move made. You know, uh, that that's the bottom line. Uh, I think there's been a few teams tried to sneak something under the rug and then the cards weren't having any wisely because they've got something on their hands and just, I don't know why the Redskins haven't made the move. I like that as the best fit. Jay Gruden, I, I, a bit of a quarterback whisperer in his own right with a great prospect, so maybe they don't like it. And then I think Jacksonville, I guess they're off the table with the whole Nick Foles thing. But uh, Miami would make sense if they're not in tank mode. So, yeah, I got the two teams as Redskins and Giants. And why the Giants? I mean, I do that. I We were talking about that pre-combine, like why the Giants don't make this move, a guy that we were banging the table for them to draft last year, well, heck, they could just trade and have both the prospects they were trying to pick from. And, uh, yeah, that that, that one is making me want to rip my hair out. But, really, I I see Redskins, man. Jay Gruden, that Washington offensive line, too. That's nothing to snuff at. Uh, Selfishly, I'd love Denver. And why not? Why not Bengals? Andy Dalton, the epitome of average here. Uh, bring in a superstar with all that surrounding talent, Mixon and Green and Boyd and all that. I, I just, uh, I think there's still a few teams, and he's definitely going to move. And I mean, the bottom line is, like you said, he's in this draft class. Uh, he's number one. He's in the last three draft classes. I've got him a very, very high, uh, highly ranked. So uh, just. Caring about the kid. Hell, I hope he ends up in Washington and then Cincinnati. I think that'd make some sense. But clearly, the, there's not a ton of teams high on him. I guess that's what we can't ascertain from as much time as this is taken. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you justify it to your fan base or even to your employees. How do you look your, your employees in the face and say, hey, we had a chance to get Rosen for a second, but we took Daniel Jones instead? I just don't see it. And, you know, hey, what you said, though, Washington, I like that fit because, you know, you got the Gruden, you got the complex offensive scheme, you got the elongated terminology. Rosen's a sharp mind that can pick all that up. And, you know, for whatever it's worth, I I guess, you know, he did rub the Giants brass, uh, you know, Gettleman and Shermer and company the wrong way when they met with him leading up to the draft last year. Didn't make a great impression So, who knows? We'll see how the Josh Rosen saga unfolds. Uh, Just crazy to see Stephen Kine, uh, all he's been through in terms of poor performance on and off the field, 
And then, you know, using a first-round pick on a quarterback just a year ago, admitting a mistake, blowing it all up, hiring a new coach, <laughs> looks like selecting <laughs> a new first-round quarterback, and the man still got a job, so hats off to Steve Kime and uh, the wonderful uh, wink <laughs> that he's pulled off there in Arizona, right? So, you know, you mentioned Cincinnati, Zach Taylor, another one of these young offensive-minded uh, you know, uh, head coaches to take the NFL by storm this year. I would imagine this guy wants his own quarterback. And listen, if Cincinnati is to ever get over the hump of mediocrity and ever to win a playoff game, they have to move on from Andy Dalton. No, Joe? I mean, listen, I just did a mock draft about a week ago up on the NFLDraftScout.com website. I actually had Haskins going to the Bengals. I think they're at number 11 offhand. Um, But, you know, we're hearing reports now, and this is the problem to me, things here. I always say this is a topic for a whole other show, but uh, the free agency should be after the draft, and the draft should be moved up about three or four weeks. (laughs) And, you know, now here we are. We had all this lag time. You know, pro days pretty much are done by the – Last week of March, you know, first week of April, all the pro days are in the can. Why not have the draft already? I mean, let's go. Let's get it over with. Move the free agency after the draft because that's how you want to build a a franchise and a team. Um, You know, Joe, I'm rambling on. Where was I going with the point? Well, I'll bring it back around again. Um, Here we are all this time now for the smoke signal season, right? And now we're hearing, you know, they build you up just so they can break you down. Now we're hearing that Haskins, Peter King, of course, you got to give him credence, right? He's not just pulling stuff out of thin air. But, again, why would teams want to tell Peter King this? His Monday Monday morning quarterback column had Dwayne Haskins potentially being the fourth quarterback off the board and pulling a uh, slipsy, you know, Aaron Rodgers uh, type of slide down in the draft. Ironically, the NFL draft list comes out this week. I think 23 players invited or accepted their invitation. Uh, The one glaring omission, Dwayne Haskins. So could there be credence to this rumor? I think he could. I'm I'm looking at it, and I mean, I'm sitting here – watching as many Haskins games as I can. I mean, I've never been I've the entire QB class. Let's just put that out there first. Not care that uh, crazy about it, but uh just the way he carries himself. I'm not seeing a a, a leader. Uh now granted, what do I know? I'm a fat guy with a laptop and Wi-Fi, but uh, just in interviews, hearing how he communicates, uh his play also, I'm not nuts about how he moves, about how he evades contact. I mean, if these quarterbacks, this is why he's not my number one quarterback. I'm nitpicking here. I, the, there's no question of arm strength. Heck, from most of the throws I've seen, he, can, he overthrows most of his receivers, which is saying something considering the speed of McLaren and Campbell. Um, but uh, I, I think it's just mostly the lack of what he's got is what, Guys like Baker Mayfield having spades, 
that charisma that like everybody on the team just is ready to run through a whole mess of fire and no matter what's on the other side we're doing this for Baker like I don't know that everyone's bought in on Haskins like that but once again these are just the the fine points um I he's going to be a starter at the next level. I think uh, that that team you just do out there, why wouldn't Cincinnati bring him along? I mean, he's got to be better than Dalton. So, uh, but if he's, if he is the third or fourth quarterback off the board and it's in the twenties of round one, that's nothing against him. Because look, number one, it's not a great class. And uh, at this point, we're starting to break down the teams that need QBs. It's Miami. You know, we're still looking at the Giants. It's the Redskins. And who's to say Miami even wants to take quarterback? Aren't they in tank mode? We'll find out real soon. Uh, the Redskins have something in case Keenum are there uh, to get them by. Uh, it, it's just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, it wouldn't shock me if he finds his way to the 20s, but it's not some precipitous drop. If he falls out of the first round altogether, then my jaw is dropping there. Uh, uh, I, I'd be surprised at that. But I, I still think he's a day one guy. And uh, I don't know, the reports that say, oh, well, it's just the media hyping him up as some some great prospect. It's like, no, he's, he's a day one guy. He can play. It's just I'm not uh, breaking the bank, trading up, trying to get him. And, and if Giants fans are out there, why are we not taking Hask- Haskins? And that's why, in my opinion. I don't think he's a quarterback you need to, like, he's not a once-in-a-generation dude. I think there's maybe two of those guys next year. So I, I think that's kind of where we're at Haskins, and really at this juncture, the whole QB class. It's like, do we need to really invest this year, or is it is it time to kind of bolster the rest of this team, strengthen our uh, other positions, and wait for that guy next season? I mean, hell, it's a it's a luxury to even say right now because I'm not the one that's got the job. Once again, I'm uh, sitting behind my Asus laptop with a bunch of RAM on it. You know, like that's what I know about. So uh, it's easy for me to criticize. But uh, I, I really I think if, if a team is just going to live to fight another day at that position, I'm not going to hold it against them. Well, let's put you in Mr. Gettleman's uh, shoes there, Joe, because you know, there's an old saying, if you need a franchise quarterback and you're picking high in the draft and you have an opportunity to get one, nab them now because, you know what, you just don't know when you're going to be picking that high again. And listen, I think the Giants had like the, the second or second pick last year, now the sixth pick this year. You know, how are they really going to be picking this high again? I mean, there's a way they've been trending. There's a very good chance, but you can't bank on that. So with that being said, let's just say – draft day scenario you don't like them at number six but you are the new york giants and you do need to plan post eli all of a sudden he slides to number 17 do you find value there joe i wouldn't be against that at all uh and really that's to where i know you're not a fan of him but there's another quarterback i wouldn't be against him taking and then at six where they're at ah man I don't care what they do. I think they could, by accident, get an awesome player at six, right? So uh, wait on QB, get that 17 pick. I'd be fine with that. If it's Haskins there, I'm not against it. I'd, I'd pick another quarterback. 
All right, there you have it, Joe Everett, Rick Saratella here, breaking it down, reading the tea leaves, baby. Um, I find it hard to believe he slides out of the first round, even with San Diego, I think, at 27. Whether the Chargers wanted to groom a successor, if not, I would imagine somebody trading back into the back end of the first round to get a Haskins. Uh, You know, a little irony there, him not attending the NFL draft, so... We'll see how it all shakes out. Now, uh, a lot has been made about Hollywood Brown, and then we'll transition over to some defensive guys. But, um, you know, the NFL Draft Bible came out. He's our number one wide out on the uh, big board. You know, we have him as a Deshaun Jackson clone, Joe. However, injury concerns, the Liz Frank uh, not being able to work out during the pre-draft process, no 40-yard dash officially on file, 168-pound uh, soaking wet. Um, is he the first receiver off the board? If not, how far does he slide? Is he round one, or is he on the outside looking in? There seems to be a lot of variance of opinions in terms of as to where Marquise Hollywood Brown lands. 20s. Uh, late 20s, and, and just because of what he's put on footage, I, I know the injury stinks and not being able to work out, but still he's able to have meetings. They'll find out what kind of kid he is, and then just you know, plug in the West Virginia game when he goes for 243. Uh, I mean, he, he cooked Texas, he cooked Baylor, he cooked pretty much every defense he played. I mean, yeah, Kansas State, there's his worst game, but uh, – that I read the medical checkup went well. I, I just look at it a bottom line business. The league is trending so much more towards speed. The the receivers that have been breaking the bank in yardage lately, it's not those huge cats. It's Antonio Brown. It's Odell Beckham. It, it, that's the, the sort of profile that we're looking for anymore. And I just don't see a receiver that's got the space movement. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, that's why I think, yes, Louis Frank, it, it, it's it's a little bit more of a tricky situation on the medical, but I don't really care. I don't think we needed the combine. We don't need a stopwatch or freaking laser beams to tell us that kid can fly. So uh, I think teams at the very end of day one are going to get real pesky or real itchy about it and um, say, well, we could just add that deep threat that would, you know, I, I think even the Colts, if you're sitting there, like you could add Hollywood Brown mm. to the other side of T.Y. Hilton. Uh, and you already have these giants and Funches and Ebron and yeah. – oh, I, I, I don't know why they wouldn't consider something like that, especially a team like the Chiefs. Uh, what if they added a Hollywood Brown to that speed that they already have in Watkins and Hill? I, you know, I think there's just going to be those teams that already have uh, a great offense in place that are looking to add that dimension to where Brown, they'd be, they'd be more than willing to wait on that kid. So uh, folks that say... Now he's day two. This injury's killing him. The injury hurts him, yes, but I still think his stock is a solid day one. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'll throw uh, even the Steelers uh, in the mix there could maybe help make the fans forget about Antonio Brown. Uh, so, you know, listen. Uh, With the draft, his cousin. Yeah. Oh, 
Well, that's true. That that's would be interesting. Point, that would, yeah, that's a, that's a hey, point, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and how much? I mean, you know, what you just said, Joe. We talked about this on the GM Junior show with Russell Andy when we did the wide receiver preview, and it's interesting that you say that because I brought that up to Russ in terms of. You know, here's a guy, Marquise Brown, his nickname is Hollywood. You know, his cousin is Antonio Brown. He's doing his off-season workouts with his cousin. I mean, how much of a factor is that into the equation that, hey, maybe he's a prima donna too? Does, does that cross your mind? Obviously, it does because you just said it. Oh, definitely it's in the back burner, but uh, I'll tell you what you do know about kids from Florida. They love me some me. They're ready to prove it, and uh, I'm I'm fairly confident he's gonna fall right in line until he at least until he gets that first contract. Uh, and that's the gamble you take with guys. Boy, I you know may sound like a heel saying it, but that's why Dorsey friggin' drafted Antonio Callaway. He's off most teams' boards, but I'll bet you he's sitting there in the back of his mind thinking. Uh, he probably wants to make it at least that first contract. I'll get a good solid three years of this kid, and his most of his burn will be spent by then. So I, I think that's why you're you're taking your chance. And like I said, especially if you have an established locker room and an offense that's already clicking, and you you're you're just splashing athleticism on that mix. Uh, I, I, that's that's where if you're a team like I think you you got a lot of veterans uh, in that building, you'd be more confident taking him. But I definitely, it's got to be at the back of your mind. You know, um, the not want to say apple far too far from the tree kind of theory, but uh, it's 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 a little wild card. But then again, I mean, all the we're all human beings, and you know, you give anybody a, a cool million, they're going to turn into a different person. Hey now, hey Joe Rick Saratella reading the tea leaves. Uh, it's amazing what Dorsey's been able to do. Talk about rolling the dice. Uh, I don't know if there's a GM that's taken more gambles than this guy, and more often than not, they pan out. You know, whether it's Tyreek Hill or uh, Antonio Callaway, who you mentioned. Uh, you know, even now he's taking a, a a chance on Kareem Hunt, and boy. You know, just to add him to that offense now with Odell Beckham and and Baker, I mean, wow. Um, so, you know, Joe, let's tr- shift gears a little bit, transition over to the defensive side because, you know, if we flash back to I think it was last year's draft, Maurice Hurst, um, from my recollection, I mean, this guy was, was first-round bound. Um you know, and then the medical checks happened in Indianapolis. They discovered this this heart issue where, you know, it was kind of skipping, whether it was a heart murmur or whatever the case may be. He got cleared, I believe, on the medical re-checks. And, you know, you heard it wasn't a big deal, but obviously it was because he ended up being taken 140th overall in the fifth round. Uh, hit him pretty good in the pockets there. So here we are a year later, uh, Montez Sweat, who I think we had pretty much nailed for the top 10 after that senior bowl performance. Then he comes out to the combine and runs, you know, what was a 4-4-1 at 260 pounds. But, oh, by the way, you know, we discovered this minor heart issue. And, again, he was cleared 
from the reports out there in the media, you know, minor issue, not a big deal. But again, we heard this last year. So somebody's going to get a good player. Is it going to be in the top 10 where he deserves to be, Joe? Or will we see a repeat of history from a year ago? And he still goes in the first. And I think worst case teens. Uh, the the big difference there is uh, on the check, they deemed him healthy enough to test. Hurst was not, they did not allow him to test. Now, I don't know if it was the similar okay. exact same kind of heart murmur or what it was, but from what I've read, they looked into sweat and he's also got no family history of, of, of heart issues. So uh, the fact I think that they let him out there to work out and do his thing is, is a very good sign. And then also it doesn't hurt that I mean, he basically on that side-by-side frame-to-frame beats Odell Beckham in a race that this is the same 40. And then, of course, Odell's on Twitter like, fool, I'm full 3-3. Three, three. You have to know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, bottom line, man, if you are shoulder-to-shoulder with one of the smoothest, fastest receivers I've seen run, uh, I want to see what you – yeah, I think uh, worst case, uh, there's a, a team in the teens that looks at their board, double takes, and says, wait, sweat's still there? and double-clicks their mouse, the computer locks up, and they make 18 calls to, to New York to, to get sweat on their team. I, 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 I still think he goes in, in the top 10. I, just with that, with the, what we've seen he can do on the field and then the, the results, uh, I, I, that's just it's stupid, some of the things he was able to do movement-wise, and that's what we're doing here. Ridiculous. Athletic. Yeah, that athletic profile is like nothing we've ever seen before. Like that's, uh, I want to mm-hmm. see if this kid turns into Lawrence Taylor. So I think there's a lot of teams that wants to see uh, what exactly happens from this. Now, granted, he could dude, it, maybe nothing happens of it, but with that length and uh, what he's shown uh, he can do, uh, that, that, yeah, I think there's just going to be too many defensive coordinators just chopping a table in half like a piece of wood. <laughs> no doubt. That's why he's Joe Everett, never leaving a stone unturned. Rick Saratella, telling it like it is. When it comes to the NFL draft since 2002, it's what we do. Go check us out over at NFLDraftScout.com. Download our 2019 NFL Draft Bible. You can get it there. Instant download. 400-plus scouting reports. 1,000 players ranked. The list goes on and on. 100-plus player interviews. Go get it. You'll be happy you did it. And, you know, worst-case scenario, if he does slide out of the top ten, I have a hard time believing the Carolina Panthers, who uh, pass rush is non-existent. They're picking there at number 16. God forbid Montez Sweat slides to them. Uh, I would imagine they would be doing the uh, cartwheels up to the podium, as they like to say. But, you know, Joe, you talk about we've never seen anything like Sweat before. I've never seen anything like this defensive line class. And I told you I did a new mock draft about a week ago up there on the website. I had a dozen defensive linemen in the first round. That's defensive tackles and defensive ends. And listen, somebody is going to get a heck of a good player in, in Jeffrey Simmons. Now, take away the injury. There are, there are some off-the-field character red flags, the video where he's punching and kicking a female, obviously. Uh, we just talked about GMs who like to take risks and roll the dice like John Dorsey. So 
how far does a Jeffrey Simmons slide? Because, you know, this guy taking away uh, off-field issues and the, and the injury now, uh, he would have been top ten, maybe top five, you know, overall pick. Likely going to redshirt now his freshman season. And, you know, I had a tough time slotting him in somewhere until I got to the Patriots, Joe, number 32. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just the rich keep getting richer. I could, I could, I could potentially see a scenario where, you know, this guy just slides all the way to the bottom of the first round. And there he is sitting right in the lap of the New England Patriots. They just red shirt him for a season and, just, and add, you know, a top five talent to their roster uh, two years down the road. Your thoughts? I would bet all the money I have at 32, the Pats, if they don't trade, are going to get an awesome defensive lineman, right? I mean, someone's going to fall to them, and we're all going to roll our eyes and like, why? Why, world? Cruel world, why did you let the Patriots have Dexter Lawrence? Why did you let them have Jeffrey Simmons? Why, you know, it's just going to be one of them cases. So I, I could see that. Um, I Right now, the mock I've got, I've got the Oakland Raiders with that 27 pick uh, taking Jeff Simmons just because they're a team. I don't want to say it's just not going to happen this year, but sorry, it's not going to happen this year. So why not take a, a guy like you said? I agree. He's top five. If he's not injury and, and, and red flag with this, which I'm going to say from the video right now, he was just back in his mama's play and man, I'm it's family, family, bro. Sometimes it's crazy, but uh, what I will say about Simmons on the field, like that's just uh, that's one of the best defensive linemen in a crowded, uh, super talented defensive line class. So that that should say, uh, I, I think it, it's it's a shame with the ACL, that, um, but still, even that's how good his talent is. I, I think the Raiders would be thinking about it. The Chiefs, if they if the Chiefs didn't have what's surrounding them with what was happened with Hunt, and now we don't know the status exactly of uh, uh, Tyreek, their receivers, so maybe they don't want to take a chance on a player with those character concerns, but uh, I think that's that's a team that definitely <laughs> he'd fit right there. He'd fit on the Packers scheme. Uh, but, yeah, those teams from 27 out is where I've got Simmons kind of landing and, and similar defenses like, you know, Green Bay, Kansas City. Um, well, of course, Oakland's changed, but I, I just think Oakland, that's the most likely for me just because of a team I, I really think – they more so than other rosters would be willing to just redshirt the kid, uh, get him into the coaching staff, in the building with the meetings, and find out, yeah, he's going to be a stud next year. You all just wait. We're about to unleash the beast. Hey, Simmons next to P.J. Hall, I can dig it. Uh, can hmm. you dig it? The RIC and Joe Draft Show. We're reading the tea leaves here two weeks away from the 2019 NFL Draft. If you're listening in on iTunes or Stitcher or Blog Talk Radio, of course, NFLDraftScott.com. If you can like it, if you can share it, if you can leave us a comment, we surely do appreciate it. And we greatly appreciate all the love and support for our 2019 NFL Draft Bible, of course, available right now. Instant download on the NFLDraftScout.com. Go up there to the menu bar. You'll see the... uh, link for the 2019 NFL Draft Bible. Again, you can download it instantly. Joe, uh, one last question for you, and then we'll sneak in your Pro Day risers because I know you got a few for us. Um, 
you know, this Nick Bosa, uh, Quinnen Williams dilemma for the San Francisco 49ers here at number two. You know, listen, they've been stacking up on the defensive line, but it's hard to bypass one of these two guys. Uh, if you're in their shoes, how are you looking at it? You know, Bosa, the knock on him, we know what these guys do well, right? Bosa, there's a knock where he kind of, hey, did he give up on the uh, on his teammates this past year? Did he kind of just check out? How injured was he? Could he have came back, or did he just kind of – Say hey, you know what? I'm checking out. I'm I'm moving on. Uh, how committed was he was he to the team? Is he about himself? I'm not saying these things. I'm just saying what the perceptions are out there. And then you got Quinn Williams, who, you know, I what I'm hearing is just did not interview well with teams at the combine. Uh, explosive player, backfield disruptor from the interior, just not too good on the on the whiteboard. From, from what I've been told. So um, those are the two concerning things. Now, when you compare them, like what we say, apples to apples, oranges to oranges, factoring in the, the current San Francisco situation, um, first off, do you have a problem with any of those perceptions? Second of all, who do you take if you're San Francisco? Oh, I got no problem with Quinn and Williams at all. Um, and, you know, I'd just say – how good was Ted Washington on the whiteboard or blackboard probably back then? Yeah, he probably <laughs> ate the board. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Quinnen, he's fine. Uh, in this situation, if I'm the 49ers, I take Bosa because looking at my roster, there's just no edge rusher that scares any team. In fact, no one's losing sleep over Solomon Thomas or Armstead. I mean, Buckner's your player, and then you got to surround him. It's It's just really unfortunate how much they've invested kind of in that line, uh, I, you know, D Ford, I like what they've done there, but I still think uh, you, you take Bosa. And even if you don't like him, even if you change defenses, he may be able to fit the new scheme. You'll definitely be able to move him later in the pedigree. Uh, I look at this as, as like stocks. That's that's a really solid, nice blue stock right there in, uh, in, in Joey's little brother. Uh, I, I, I I think that's where you have to go. Um, and, you know, nothing wrong with Quinn. And once again, and I just, I think if there's any, you know, people nitpicking him, maybe he's a little, little, you know, simple pleasure, simple thing. Like, you know, they, I heard he had to go to IHOP on his meeting. It didn't, didn't go to a steakhouse, nothing like that. But like, I kind of, I enjoy that. Like a guy that knows who he is, that, that's who you want in your locker room. He's not trying to be somebody he's not. So I've got no problem with uh, Quinn Williams, and I think if anyone's trying to like, that's that to me more so than anything is teams like, man, maybe if we put out some dirt there, he'd think he'd fall to four. I think he'd fall all the way to five. I don't know, Larry. Let's give it a shot. Uh, no, it's it. Quinn is solid, man, and he's he's that 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 strikes me as the ten plus year pro uh, if if he stays healthy. Now, the only one that could be disappointed in Quinn and Williams is is the young scout that was all excited picking him up from the airport. That was like, hey, Quinn, we can go out to any restaurant you want. <laughs> no <laughs> Where do you want to go? <laughs> he said, he said that I have. <laughs> All right, RIC and Joey breaking it down, the RIC and Joe draft show. Uh, We appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, But, you know, we can't go until we address the pro day season. We haven't had much time to talk about it, Joe, and 
uh, March is that time of month where, you know, you got to get to uh, test a lot of these small school guys, guys that weren't invited to the combine, guys in tr- trying to improve their combine times. Uh, we're talking to you, Jakai Polite. Uh, <laughs> you know, listen, um, by the way, I saw a brutal, you know, I saw Jakai Polite tweet something out that was like, yo, cool, cool. And so I, I tried to watch the video, what he was talking about is so cool. And it was like this Good Morning Football America segment where they were talking about him, and it was just so brutal to watch. And it's just they were talking about his his, his Instagram personality and his Twitter profile, and you know what can we take away and, and grading everything except his on field performance. And you know, uh, anyway, I don't want to sidetrack too much, but Jakai Polite Joe, a guy. Uh, who definitely is an interesting guy. And before we get into the pro day risers, you know, since I brought him up, I mean, I know he was once first round bound after the combine. We were so down on him. We were wondering if he might go day three. Uh, Is he somewhere in between? Can he recuperate and go round one? Where do you see polite? Oh, I don't. I, I don't think he's a round one guy. I didn't have him as a round one guy going in, but I, I, I probably should back off. I mean, just talking to him, hearing him in the interview in person, I'm like, I would never draft this kid for anything. I wouldn't employ him as the mailroom guy. I can't count on that, <laughs> right? Like, I'm just, just mentally, I'm like, dude, you checked out right now. Yeah, right. I don't, you can't even mix the Gatorade. But, uh, no, I think it's probably going to end up, there's a team, you know, round three, maybe they think about it, and then we have that wow. break between day two and day three, and then it's that, that maybe it's all of a sudden they refresh their boards, and it's like, come on, guys, Polite's right there. We could do something with mm. them. Uh, maybe we turn them into a stand-up pass rusher. I, I, maybe he fits in that top hundred. I just don't think, to me, he was a day one guy uh, before any of this. And then uh, just showing, I think, lack of commitment to the workout process and to the whole draft prep, uh, that that means something to a lot of these teams. Like, you couldn't get yourself together for this, then how are you going to get yourself together postseason? I will, we made the next round. You, we're counting on you next week, too. And, you know, well, we were bashing you. Like, and that now you tuned out. Like, I don't, it, it's really been a kind of a rough draft season, I think, for the kid, but um, he'll still be drafted. And I'm like, there's no question. Like, he's, if he finds the right fit, he could turn into a good pass rusher. It's just, um, there's like concerns. I think those red flags are raised for good reason. All right. There you have it. Talking about a red flag, these guys just keep popping into my mind. Real quick assessment. You know, I only bring it up because I don't check out too many people's rankings. You know, Bucky Brooks has been doing this a long time, and he has been employed by NFL teams. So, you know, I just happened to click on his top five prospects by position the other day, and he's got uh, Trey Lamar, I think, as like his number fourth-ranked linebacker. I mean, after the combine and pro days these Clemson linebackers had, I'm I'm actually questioning whether – they even get drafted. Bucky Brooks has got Trey Lamar number four. Am I crazy, Joe, or I, I, am I just missing something? No, Bucky is crazy. He must have coached a kid in high school or something. I, I don't I'd like <laughs> both them Clemson kids ran like four nine two or something, and that was at five, their pro day. over five. Yeah, five something. Right. Yeah. 
I don't crazy. understand. All right. That's and just, just that after play. that, you know what? They don't even deserve no more airtime running five something forty <laughs> as a linebacker. <laughs> man, get out of here. You ain't even worth our airtime. Get out of town. Hey, Joey Everett, Rick Serratello here, breaking it down for you. We're gonna wrap things up, put a big bow and a ribbon on it, Joe. The floor is yours. Uh, you got a few minutes to play around with here. I know you've been keeping tabs on on these pro days and tracking some of these guys. Who are some of your pro day risers? that we need to be a lookout for two weeks from now when we hit Ash, uh, Nashville. Not Asheville, Nashville. Well, the, I think a couple guys that didn't get the chance to be in Indy, there are two running backs that we had as snubs. I think everybody's starting running back on the all-snub team, Darwin Thompson. Uh, check out the pictures from his pro day. If you're listening to this, just do Darwin Thompson pro day, and I'm telling you, the whole boy is yoked. Uh, ran a 4.47. 39-inch vert, 10-6 broad. Now, he's 190 pounds, so he's kind of a scat back, but this is a better version of Kerwin Williams and way more explosive and just 28 reps on the bench. The guy, I think just that pro day there shows. It's like, I'm sorry, that's teams trying to hide old boy in my mind. Uh, There's teams that probably have him on the list and they just didn't want him to do that in Indy, but, you know, he he showed the truth at the pro day and then – Patrick the Truth Laird from California. Uh, That's another one, man. If you can find a shot from him running his 40 at the pro day, Christ, I mean, chiseled from a slab of marble. He uh, ran a 4.56. His three cone was 6.84, and then the short shuttle, 3.96. That three cone and then the 20 shuttle, that would have been best uh, among running backs at the combine. So I think Patrick Laird, there's a guy that, you know, uh, I don't know that he gets drafted, but priority free mm-hmm. agent right there. He goes to a team. Uh, I'm eager to see what he does. And then my boy, yes, my boy, Allie Madison, Boise State, really improved his 40. Uh, I think it was 4-6-something in Indy, maybe even 4-6-7, but 4-5-2 at the pro day, a 10-7 broad, and the 35 uh, vert, uh, I think a 7-13 three-count, too. So those three running backs – I think they helped their case. And also Josh Jacobs, anyone that's, you know, made some deal about him running a 4-6, that's often injury. They did the second pro day, and he ran like a 4-5-2. So I think he solidifies his stock. And then wideouts, man, J-Jaw, our Sega Whiteside, that's that's huge. That 4-4-9, now I would caution everyone, Look at the Stanford Pro Day. Uh, Joey Alfieri ran a 4.49. Isaiah Brant Sims ran a 4.48. Or Sega Weiss, everybody runs a 4.49. Oprah's handing out 40 times at the farm in Palo Alto. So I'll just, you know, let's let's just keep that. But the fact that our Sega Whiteside ran anything close to 4.5s and didn't run 4.6 is big time for him. And uh, he really proves some doubters like me. Uh, wrong. He totally, I'm eating crow right now because his speed is legit. And now the length and, and the ability to locate and track balls is obvious. Everyone knows he's got that in spades, but the fact that he can run is big time for him. And then um, uh, we were doing the, the 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 guide. One receiver that I just kept moving up every time I watched him was Damian Jean-Pierre, Nichols State. Uh, and shout out right now, Lardarius Webb, if you're listening, the pride of Nichols State, the Colonels, I believe. <laughs> uh, he, hey, 
we got a sleeper. Just when we think he's got a sleeper, Damian Jean-Pierre, I believe, is at the two-lane pro day. He ran a 4.25, uh, between 4.25 and 4.31 is his times. Wow. And then a 6 I told one you, I told you I heard a buzz on this kid, Joe. It was real. Uh, not only that, it's a 39-inch vertical. Uh, the, the the official, like, all the footage we saw, the high, it, it all checked out. I mean, he he looks like, I, I don't want to say Antonio Brown of the FCS, but he, every every single highlight I see is an N1 mixtape. He's making guys miss, breaking ankles, but then these test results really did back that up. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, Damian Jean-Pierre, a real big-time sleeper. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I've got a draftable grade on the kid. Uh, I don't care about competition. Uh, I, we're, we're drafting athletic profiles right there, and you know some of the receivers we've already talked about on this show. He profiles like an Antonio Callaway. That's the kind of game he has. So I, I think, uh, yeah, that kid from Nickel State, he's uh, he's banging on the door of the NFL, and uh, uh, I think he's going to break that door down. Uh, and then Hurd Baylor, the our Jalen Hurd, our running back, formerly of Tennessee, um, that just a giant, 6'4 228 pounds, but a 10'4 broad, that 4'12 short shuttle, if he wants to play some tight end, big time slot, that, that shuttle time shows that it, it could happen for him. And, um, man, there's a ton out there that I think really deserve uh, Ty Summers, the linebacker from TCU. Just six, three counts, seven seconds, or seven seconds for his size is just that's ridiculous. Uh, and then Dawson Knox tied in from Ole Miss, uh, four five one is what I got him at. So that that, that those I think all those guys are risers, and I guess it's not all positive. But that's up and says probably dead wrong on old uh, Ant Ant Antoine Wesley, Texas Tech wide receiver. I had him at a four Your six boy. five from his pro day. This is my guy, and boy, that uh, I know he's tall. He's a big, lanky receiver, but kind of similar to what we talked about with White or Sega Whiteside. Like if he runs the four six six area, then I, the, the perception changes. I really thought he was four five something. I don't know if it's maybe Wesley's nursing an injury at this point, but yeah, four six five for him really does stink. Uh, that's going to put a odor on his draft style. I still like the kid. I know he can play, but uh, that definitely. That did not help his case, especially missing out in the combine and not doing much season. Um, so he's he's not helping himself. Joe, I, I I mean we're we're kind of freestyling here because I'm I'm hitting you with stuff that you know we really didn't know we were going to talk about. But I got one last question I want to ask you because, man, we're reading the tea leaves. We're two weeks away from the draft. I'm so excited. You know, anybody who wants to come join me down here at the Jersey Shore, the the open invite is here. We're going to have a draft extravaganza all week long leading up to the draft podcasts every day. Um, you know, I wanted to uh, ask you about a player that slipped my mind. It happens. There's so many thoughts going through my head. You, you preach so much truth, you know, preaching the good gospel here on the draft Bible radio, Joe, you got my mind, the, the wheels turning like a maniac. Uh, I know it'll come back to me. Oh, here we go. I want to know, um, Who's a player, putting you on the spot, who's a player that is going to go in the first round that the mainstream media is not really talking about? Um, I'll give you two guys that I'm hearing. 
and credit to you and Justin because you, you you're the ones that brought me over to the other side. And I said, "What are you talking about? We're going to have a six foot one, two hundred and eighty pound." edge rusher in our first round and you're like yeah we love lj collier and i'm like ah yeah you know i mean <laughs> and and his teammate credit to ben Benagu, who just had incredible measurables but this lj collier is from what i'm understanding is gaining more and more steam i had him in my first round mock initially and then went over a couple things and you know he was probably like my 33rd pick uh, the other guy is someone I've been constantly pounding the table for. If you picked up the Lindy's draft guide, and I did my mock draft, you know, back in January, they published it in in March. Thanks, Lindy's. Uh, but the one guy I had in here was Darnell Savage, <laughs> the first round pick. And you know, I'm hearing from very reliable sources, Joe. Uh, he could possibly be the first safety off the board, and he could quite possibly go in the first round. So I don't think anybody's really talking about those two guys a lot. Lindstrom, Boston College, who I've been pumping up, I think finally is getting the respect he deserves. And again, I I find it hard to believe that I wake up Friday morning and Chris Lindstrom doesn't know what city he's going to be playing in. So I think Chris Lindstrom's a lock. But Savage and, and Collier, I think, are the two guys maybe people don't see coming who is the one guy or maybe multiple guys for you? And not to beat a dead horse, but Lindy, you see, when we got information, it's time sensitive. Rick had that before <laughs> everybody else. We come first. Yes, yeah, how it works. But needless to say, uh, no, Savage is, uh, he's done, it's another guy like McLaurin. Like, it's just every part of this phase he has maximized, I think. Um, and Collier, you know, if he doesn't go first round, that's fine. Uh, he is a lot like Everson Griffin was, I think, coming out of USC. It, it's not like athletically you're, you're floored by anything, but when the when the footage starts and he flashes those man hands and no one's really able to move him, uh, I, I think that's where Collier, it's just you know he can play. It, it, it's not about where he's from, how many stars, and what he's jumping. It's just the whistle blew. We all got pads now, and uh, you, you can't stop me. And that's that's kind of, I think he's very similar to Griffin in, in that. And uh, wherever he lands, man, someone's just going to get a player. Um, I got two guys. Uh, the, the biggest one probably is Chase Winovich, I think, at this point. Uh, another guy <laughs> every Whoa. part of the phase i'm I'm putting him out there man um, I, know, I know a lot of people I love disagree. Rashawn I don't, I don't disagree too often but when I do I gotta let you know I'm not on board with this one I'm sorry <laughs> right I look at the production I look at the testing results he's flashed uh, I look at the skill he's got uh, technique wise uh, there's you know, it only takes one, but that's a guy I think, uh, uh, like I was just saying, like it, the whole process, he's really checking boxes. Um, if a team takes him at the end of day one, that that's one where it's like a lot of people would probably be shocked, yes, but I, I think I think the NFL really likes Chase Winovich, and I'm, I'm sitting here like, 
coming or like prospects I'm coming around to, like the more and more I watch of them, that's that's a guy I, I'm just like, you know what? If, if if the freaking Colts take him at the end, I'm not gonna complain. Uh, I'm gonna have to make a strong case, but I'm not gonna be on that side of the fence just putting up a a, a bitch about it because I I, I know the kid can play. I've seen too many evidence or too much evidence in the Big Ten with him beating dudes. Now, granted, the case can be made too of like, well, if Rashawn Gary's not on the other side, uh, creating quite the stir on the offensive line, then maybe Winovich doesn't make the plays. Uh, is it the chicken or the egg? I think for both of these prospects, you know, it's almost unfortunate. To, like Gary and Winovich, I think are connected in life just because like the <laughs> league definitely wants to see how this, you know, is it, was it the chicken or the egg kind of thing. And, uh, I'm, I guess I'm betting on the chicken. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I've been, I've been hammered behind the scenes by people in the know because I have a day three grade on Chase Winovich. And to me, you know, people are hammering me. That's fine. And, and you know what? You can have your Jay Sternberger and you can have your Chase Winovich, Joe. I know <laughs> those are the two guys. <laughs> My Five boy Jay's. Now. <laughs> Five years from now, you know, you and Justin got me to put Jace number four. You know, listen, we're we're a committee here, and, you know, he's our number four tight end. But just for the record, everybody, uh, Jay Sternberger will be out of the league, <laughs> as will Chase Winovich. <laughs> You know, I'm sorry. Um, 18 and a half sacks in four years. Josh Allen from Kentucky, who I don't even like that much, has 17 this past year. So, uh, you know, the thing is with Chase, uh, really just he's trying to bull rush every play. That every every time he's asked to get to the quarterback, all he does is a bull rush, and it's just like, dude, let's switch it up. Let's expand the repertoire. Let's. Let's get going here, and you know I just can't get on board with that yet. But I love the perspective, no doubt about it. Um, you know, it, it's an expanded edition here of Draft Bible Radio, the RIC and Joe Show, and you know, Joe. Uh, I forgot I expanded this show for two hours because I thought Justin Gamble would be joining us, and we'll have him on future episodes, and we're going to do some really cool podcasts on the All Access Football Podcast Network. Stay tuned for that. But um, we're going to wrap things up. Unless there's anything else you want to get off your chest, any topics you want to talk about, uh, we have some time to work with. If not, you know, we're going to put a put a ribbon on it, put a cap on it. Well, this one won't be popular either, but I talk about so much prospects start to come around on. You know, like the more and more you see them, the more you like them. It's like, man, this – that I, I, it's not that he's flashy, but I'm, I'm telling you, Daniel Jones is the other one I'd include in that conversation in the first round where if people just hate him and, you know, just dislike him as a quarterback prospect, that's fine and good. I just, I'm pretty sure the league is uh, taking a shine into him. I, cause there's just so much two-playing quarterback that he's got going for him. I don't think, no, he doesn't have any souped-up arm like Josh Allen from last year, but just watching him play, watching him move, evading pressure. The more and more I come convinced, it's I think he could make that happen at the next level. The the awareness he's got in the pockets, what I love with him, uh, the, he's just got enough athleticism, not a lot. And uh, the bottom line is the kid competes. Uh, that he's going to steer down that gun barrel, deliver every time. 
Um, that's one. It's I don't know what I, even why I'm putting him in there, but that last question when I thought about it, it's like, well, if someone doesn't believe he's going to be a first rounder, well, even the Godfather himself said there's going to be four quarterbacks in this this round one, and uh, I guess that's what I'd make a case for for the Daniel Jones doubters out there. Uh, to watch some more of now. Yes, he's had some brutal games here and there, but like I, in what I don't consider a great quarterback class, that's one that boy, he's got an awful lot of intangibles going for him. Um, and that's the one it, I just consider. If you don't like him, I put in more games, man. That's the, you're you're gonna take a shine to. Well, Joe, as you were talking, I put my phone on mute and I spoke to our super producer. Samantha, shout out to Sammy, to run into the car, into the glove compartment, to pull out the old NFL 2019 draft props fresh off the, the press from the FanDuel Sportsbook over there at the Meadowlands. And because you're talking Daniel Jones, you know, the one cool thing about the legalized gambling, Joe, just when you thought the draft couldn't grow any bigger, <laughs> welcome legalized gambling because now we have all these prop bets. And I'm staring at the sheet right now. So I want to talk about um, some of these prop bets, and, and, and a lot of it revolves around the quarterback. So real quick, um, we talked about Kyler Murray to be the number one pick. He's currently minus 1,200 to be the first pick in the draft. Now, you want to roll the dice, get a little risque. Uh could Nick Bosa go number one? He's plus 600, so 100 to win 600. Hmm. Quinnen Williams is plus 1,500. And then the following two, I don't think there's a chance, but uh, Josh Allen from Kentucky would be plus 1,800. Dwayne Haskins plus 2,500. So there are your top five guys' uh, odds to be the first pick in the draft. Anybody worth? Rolling the dice on there, Joe. Oh, not at all. Uh, I, no, I wouldn't even right. chance both. Sucker to... bets? That's a sucker nah, bet, right? Yeah. Hey, unless, you know, you're a Rockefeller, you want to lay down 2400 to win $200. <laughs> 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 hey. Hey. Let me dust right, off well, my monocle. This? Well, we talked about at the top of the show, if you're just tuning in, we talked about the latest rumor where the, the Oakland Raiders would give up two firsts and two seconds to move up to that number one overall pick. Now, Arizona's minus 800 to take Kyler Murray, so you'd have to wager 800 to win back 100, or you could just bet that 100 on the Oakland Raiders, and if they do trade up, well, hey, your 100 just turned into 800, plus 800 for the Raiders to select Kyler Murray. Worth a gamble or no? Not even pizza money. No, I'm I'm saying cards do it. (laughs) Hey, and you know what? Uh, I bet you, you know, Vegas and Atlantic City, they're laughing all the way home with these prop bets because, I mean, these odds are so appealing. Now, you know, here's the interesting, Joe, last one we'll touch base on. With Dwayne Haskins, they're all plus money. So even right now, we spoke about the Giants, how they won't take a quarterback at number six. Right now, believe it or not, they're the favorites. And they're at plus 225. So if you wager 100 that the Giants will draft Dwayne Haskins, you're getting back 225. I think there's some value here because 
we talked about some teams like Cincinnati in my latest mock draft. I have him going 11 to Cincinnati. Well, yeah, you could bet 100 to win back 1,100 on Dwayne Haskins going mm. to the Bengals. That's not bad. And then we talked about the Chargers at 27. We're talking about him sliding now. And I just picked this up two days ago. This is as of, well, I picked it up two days ago, but the fine print says as of April 2nd. Today's April 11th as we record this. I can go bet 100 bucks that the Chargers are going to draft Dwayne Haskins, and I get back five, five grand. Man. But but some of these other odds here are not too bad. The Redskins are plus two fifty. The Raiders are plus six fifty, which is not bad considering they got three first round picks. The Jaguars are plus seven hundred. This is after the Nick Foles. Uh the Dolphins are plus seven hundred. The Broncos are plus seven hundred. The Bengals plus eleven hundred. That might be the one I just drive back to the sports book and go put some money down on, Joe. Do I like the you nailed it, Cincy? Uh, that's the best payoff too, and it just backyard Columbus. Why don't you take the interstate down, play some football for us, and then back it up with the Redskins? I I think that'd mm-hmm. be the other likely. I mean, the Redskins got to do something at quarterback. They bring bring some kid in. Case Keenum ain't the answer, and uh, but yeah, the Cincy one, boy, that. Uh, yeah, I might uh, make a trip myself. To on that. <laughs> no doubt about it. Joey Everett, Rick Saratella, reading the tea leaves. We hope you enjoyed it, everybody. Party shot for the people, Joe. Anything else you want to get off the chest before we uh, really officially close, even though it's about the third time I'm saying that? Hey, stick to the footage. Just like we said, we, we read the tea leaves for you. We broke it down. Uh, I, I'd, I'd say uh, keep your copy of the Draft Bible open and, and, and stick to the game footage at this point two weeks out. Uh, lock it in, load it up, we're ready to go. Always trust the gut. April the 11th, two weeks away from the 2019 NFL Draft. Nashville, Tennessee, we're coming for you, baby. Uh, hey, Joe said it. Go get the 2019 NFL Draft Bible. Available right now on the NFLDraftScout.com. Right there in the menu bar. And, uh, you know, Joe, we'll be back at it again next week. Oh, man. Next week will be one week away from the 2019 NFL Draft. And then the final week uh, leading up to Nashville, we'll have a podcast every day. So keep it locked. It's a can't stop, won't stop type of situation. For Joe Everett and Rick Saratella, breaking it down it's the ric and joe draft joe please like it share it review it comment it and we'll be back at it again next week the rick and joe nfl draft show powered by nfl draft